Welcome to Equity For Real, the podcast for cannabis entrepreneurs. Meet Marshawn Marsh. He is passionate about cannabis, serious about his business, and at the same time has good humor. A Morehouse College graduate able to start his own cannabis micro business in Oakland, California. He shares his experience as an entrepreneur and equity applicant. Nathan, I'll pass the mic over to you to begin the interview with Marshawn Marsh, owner of Conscious Minds. Yep, Marshawn, we can kind of just again start at the beginning. Um, did you grow up in Oakland? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I was born in Kaiser Hospital downtown Oakland on Broadway, the, the Kaiser building that has now been demolished um, and, and it's now a park or just a, a, a resting yard for uh, weeds. But yes, I grew up there. I was from Kaiser Oakland. I went to Sabrani Park, um, in which my family house was still located, um, and did time in Sabrani. Uh, I lived downtown by uh, Lake Merritt. I lived in the 60s of East Oakland, um, moved out of Oakland, went to, uh, moved to Atlanta, um, and then from there moved to Las Vegas, and then moved back to uh, Oakland. So, you, yeah, you know that you're obviously deeply rooted in Oakland, but you've, you know, kind of been all over to some respect. Yeah. And so, you know, either growing up or in Vegas and Atlanta, what was kind of some of your experiences with cannabis, either, you know, both if you're using it personally and the attitudes you saw around you, whether that was kind of parents or other adult figures, law enforcement, what was your kind of relationship to cannabis as you were growing up? Um, I kind of, well, I first started uh, really using cannabis when I was in the ninth grade. Um, I want to say it was the summertime because I used to play football. I was working out. Um, somebody introduced it to me and from there I got hooked. Um, the stigma behind cannabis was very negative. It seemed like if you use cannabis, people felt like you were not alert, not conscious, um, unaware, um, and just slow. And they never wanted it around. They didn't like the smell and they didn't like the stigma behind it. Law enforcement, all they would like to do is lock you up for it. Um, it doesn't matter if it was the smallest amount. Um, it could be a joint. They would give you a hard time or they would lock you up. If it was uh, a couple bags of weed, then definitely you could go to jail for it and you could go to jail for a long time. Um, when I was in Georgia, that was a no tolerance state and I ran into law enforcement issues a couple of times. So both, you know, in, in Atlanta and, and Oakland, probably all over, you know, definitely saw the law enforcement attitude. Um, do you have specific instances of, of them kind of either harassing you or, or people, you know? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, Is there a specific kind of instance that, that comes to mind? Uh, let's see. So, okay. So I was in, uh, Atlanta back between 2001 and 2005. I went to Morehouse college where I graduated with a BA in business management. While I was out there, I almost got kicked out of Morehouse three times. Um, 
and I'm actually lucky to have graduated. Uh, thank God. Um, so I had caught three weed cases. Um, one was when I first got out there. I had the same Oakland mentality of that I had taken from out here because before I had moved, I was out hustling, trying to figure or trying to make as much money <clears throat> as I could because I knew I was going to be out of state and on my own. So bringing that same mentality back out to uh, Atlanta, I was on the promenade one day or on the strip, whatever you want to call it. And I saw a young black guy. He was like, yeah, you got some weed. I was like, yeah, I got some. I didn't have it on me. So I didn't even pay him any attention. I ended up going back to my room, to my dorm room, grabbing the tree, coming back out to the strip. I saw him again. I was like, hey, what's up? I got it. He looked like a college student. Black guy looked like a college student. I was So I go up to him. As soon as I show him the weed, he like tries to like grab me or something. I slap his hand and I take off on him. <clears throat> so I outrun him. I got my books on me. I outrun him. I hit a couple corners. I throw my books over the fence. Um, I'm about to hop the fence to go. I really don't even know my way out there because I just got out there. So I'm about to hop this other fence. And right before I could do that, a car um, cut me off. End of story. Went to jail uh, for possession with intent to sell at college. Luckily, I was tapped in with my dorm director, uh, resident and he got me out of that situation. Um, he had one of the students write a letter for me, so saying why I should not get kicked out, and I was able to stay in. That was one instance. Another instance, I was still selling weed. I got weed in my bag. I'm about to go to Morris Brown and go serve somebody. I think it was like a half an ounce. So, I'm, sitting, I'm about to do that. I have my guy. I pull up uh, Morris Brown. It's a hill, right? Uh, I have my guy. He's rolling up some. He's rolling a joint. While he's rolling a joint in the car, up above the hill is a police officer looking at him. The police officer comes down to the car, sees what he's doing, searches the car, finds my weed in my bag. I go to jail behind something that I wasn't even really, I didn't bring the police to us. So I went to jail a second time. All right. Third time. I'm sitting over there. I'm riding back from uh, Florida. Came from Miami, spring break or one of the, the breaks or something. I got weed in my bag. I'm in the back seat. The, <clears throat> the driver gets pulled over for speeding. Next thing you know, car gets searched. The bag is closest to me. I go to jail for the weed. Right. Been in jail three times in Georgia just by itself. Now, that right there, that caused a lot of disturbance in my life, because what that did is when I moved back with a B.A. and with, with a degree from Morehouse, when I came back, the I couldn't get a job. <clears throat> my first job was my friend put me on. He was with uh, JetBlue. So JetBlue puts me on. They send me out to New York. I'm in New York. Okay, I got a training out there. I do that training. They fly me to uh, Los, uh, to, to um, Long Beach for a training. While I'm in Long Beach, everybody who's in a class, we all go to the mall. While I'm in the mall, I get this, hey, can you come here? I come here, and they're like, hey, you didn't pass the background. We have to fly you back. After that, I couldn't get a job really anywhere. Um, it, was, it was quite hard for me to do so. Um, so 
Yeah, that's kind of what cannabis uh, can do to you. It can, or at least back then, it was uh, very much so a deterrent in my success. Um, and it was a lot of, I was also in real estate, so there were a lot of, uh, I, I was doing mortgages back then, so it was a lot of mortgage jobs. When they would run your background, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't be uh, accepted. Pharmaceutical sales, I wasn't accepted. So it was a lot of jobs in which I wasn't accepted um, into because of my cannabis, uh, my love for cannabis. Yeah, and I feel like I've, I've heard, I feel like I've definitely heard some version of that story so many times where it's this little bit of a circle where it seems like, you know, you were selling to pay your way through college in large respect and get that BA in business. But because of these kind of unjust laws, that's also what, blocks you from getting any employment you know outside of cannabis as well so it's that kind of classic trap right absolutely so i mean you've you know you obviously have experience with cannabis you're meeting all these kind of roadblocks you have a degree in business i can already kind of sense where this story is headed but how do you first start to uh either learn about the equity program and or think about uh, joining the regulated cannabis economy, work, working more efficiently in the industry. Do, so, okay, so how I hear about this program is, it's me and my girlfriend, and we're sitting over there, and she knows I smoke weed, and she says, hey, I was like, hey, my guy's not answering who I usually get my weed from. She's like, hey, let me make a phone call, right? Now, knowing me, I don't want you to call no other guy for anything else. I'm handy mandy, right? I do everything, right? Right? I don't need you doing anything, right? So at that point, I'm like, hey, who is this guy, right? I don't feel unthreatened because when I see him, I'm like, okay, cool. There's no threat, right? But I'm like, he, so he comes and he drops off the weed. I'm like, hey, how did he just drop off weed? How is he doing this? What's going on? This is around 2017, 16, 17. How's he dropping off weed? What's going on? Is this legal? Right? He does it a couple more times. At this point, I'm like, hey, you know what? You're not going to keep coming to my house dropping off weed and my girl's calling you. This is not making any sense. I was like, hey, bro, how did you get on? He was like, hey, just call. I did this. I did this. It's just me. Yes, legal. Call this number. He gave me this lady's number. Her mirror was on. Once I talked to the lady, she was like, yeah, it's this program out here in Oakland. Woo, woo, woo such and such, all these other parameters. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we started trying to work together and we find out that I'm going to have a hard time, right? Because number one, you got to have, you got to be a felon or you got to have a case out of Oakland, weed case. Hey, I got multiple weed cases, thing out of Oakland, right? I was, I'm, I know my people. I know who to serve to out here. I didn't know who to serve to out there, right? So I didn't have weed cases out here, so I didn't qualify. Right at that point, I had a child care. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. I, I, I was running a child care, right? Um, for like eight years, uh, in home child care, which was doing pretty well. So I had a child care, and I'm sitting over here to, to in order to make the program an equity program, you had to be making like I don't know, sixty thousand dollars or something. At that point, I'm making two hundred thousand dollars a year. So I'm like. Oh, damn. How do I do this? Right. So one year went by. I couldn't qualify. The second year went by and I still was making too much. Now I had to cut some stuff down. Now I'm at a hundred thousand and I'm trying to apply for the program. So I let a whole year go 
and I kind of didn't really work construction, stopped my childcare, and made my finances get to under to under sixty five thousand. Not even under sixty five. I still had problems. I had to put all my kids on, and still had problems meeting the financial criteria. Right. So basically, the city wants you to be broke in order to do this program. Right. City of Oakland. All right. So at that point, I'm able to qualify. I qualify for the program in 2019. I'm working towards getting my license. 2020, uh, March 2020, I got my actual license. Our first dollar was made in April of 2020 for 420. Um, that's when we made our actual first dollar. You, you decided to go into a delivery business. Is that right? With, with, with the cannabis? Yeah. So, um, with the cannabis. Yeah. So, so with that, one of the people that was kind of guiding me toward it, they were saying, Hey, you should only do one thing. You should only do one of these businesses. Cause every, cause this is a lot. You, you're only one person. You can only do so much. And I'm like, man, Hey, check it out. I'm like a Jamaican. I can do everything. So I say, hey, I want to go for the micro business. I want the everything, right? Because I want everything, right? So I go delivery, distribution, manufacturing. They're like, you can't do that. I'm like, yes, I can. So right now we're signed up with the delivery, distribution, and manufacturing business. Um, yes. Wow, okay. And, and are all of those aspects kind of currently active? So are you I was- doing all of them right now? I will say that two of them are active right now. The delivery is very much so active and the distribution is fully active. Um, but the manufacturing, that's the one that's not quite active. I can use like, I'm not really a maker of things. So um, I, I could build like a house and everything, but I'm not like a maker of products and I'm not a cook. So I got the licenses sitting there. Um, so if it's ever time to sell or just for leverage, there is a, also a manufacturing component to conscious minds but no, not in operation right as of yet okay and see, in, in terms of you know the the delivery um starting that business up how much of maybe what you learned in college as a you know your business degree and all your other experiences how much do you think that came to bear did it feel like this entirely new thing or did it feel kind of familiar did you know what to do to get that kind of really up and running well I knew exactly what to do from day one because I had the childcare, which started in 2011 and went to 2018 or 19. So I knew what to do. And I ran the childcare up to a hundred thousand dollar business as well. So I, yeah, I knew what to do. It was heavy promotion. It was, it was meeting people, talking to people, getting people comfortable with you, getting the product out there, teaming up with the right people. Um, so yes, and everybody said it was going to be hard. I mean, for for me, uh, it wasn't as hard because I heard, like, even for the child care that, hey, you might not get a client in the first couple months, right? In the first week, I had two, I had three clients. So, I like, just with that kind of mentality, I heard that, hey, you got to start this business with 300000 and you it's going to be hard. And, it, hey, I didn't believe none of that, and I still don't see any of that. Right. It's a little easier and I mean, it's not like super easy because it's just me and one other person. But, yeah, it's not what everybody else says it is. It, de- it all depends on kind of like who you are, how people perceive you and how you move around. Uh, 
is on how easy or difficult it could be. Like it's even easier for other people. Not me. Okay. It's easier for other people, but yeah. Yeah. We definitely want to come back to kind of the, the successes and where you've been able to succeed. But has there been what would you say the biggest obstacle you faced so far has been? The biggest obstacle is Um, the biggest obstacle is expansion. The biggest obstacle is products. Um, and source flower sourcing. For me, yes, say a little bit more about that. So what's what's more specifically kind of the difficulty? The reason, so like if it's flower sourcing on my distro side. I only have a two-man team. So being that I'm only uh, one person and I got another person, right? So one person does deliveries, the other person is doing something else. And sometimes our deliveries are moving so much that, A, it takes both of us. So that means that um, we we can't necessarily handle what we need to handle. We just hired our other guy. So our other guy will be sitting over there uh being able to source flour for us a little bit better, but that's one of the, that's one of the main issues. Is just sometimes brands just want to keep their products to do to dispensaries. Sometimes brands want you to spend ten thousand on their product, um, and it, to me, it doesn't make sense to do so and to get that much product that much of one product when people like varieties. So if you're sitting over here heavy on this one product. That product might sit and get stale while the other products are moving because it'll take longer that whole bundle to move. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm seeing. Um, and yeah, just finding all these farms because this is California. So California is kind of big. So it's a lot of grows out there. And to be able to get in contact and find the right contact number for the grows, that's kind of the, a little bit of a difficulty for me. I see this list, but a lot of the numbers aren't accurate on the list um so yes yeah i mean it's a it's a familiar kind of small business struggle right scaling basically like you don't necessarily have all the funds to hire this big team um yet but how do you get to that point where it's just you know two people or three people um and still be able to meet kind of growing demand so it sounds like you know this may be cannabis and a little bit different in that respect but this Sounds like every conversation I've ever had with a small business owner who's trying to figure out how to bring it to that next level without um, kind of breaking the bank of where they are. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, well, yeah, we can get a couple employees, but uh, you start getting employees cost money. So, you know, we try to keep it a little lean, but we also keep it to where we can operate uh, functionally and still be profitable. Exactly. So, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that you did manage to get this business up and running quickly and you have obviously found some success. So what do you attribute a lot of that success to? What have you kind of specifically been doing that's really worked for the business? Um, I want to say a lot of going out, meeting people, a lot of business relationships, um, like good relationships, just natural people relationships. Uh, you got to have a little bit of energy. People got to see a spark in you. Um, also the fact that on my distro side, I teamed up with a great distro partner 
or, or to even carry his product. I was I was very lucky in order to carry his product. Um, so I know that that very much so uh, skyrocketed us to uh, success or early success. Um, because being with the person in which we, the product we carry, uh, we've been able to get into over 65 stores within our first year of business. Wow. That's impressive. It sounds like kind of a, a case of the classic, your your network is your net worth. Like getting out there and really connecting with people and making the right partnerships has made all the difference for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a challenge and it's been kind of slower than what I would have liked, um, than what I feel we could have been. But, uh, you know, being we had Corona, I'm, I'm, I'm content. But I know one thing, Corona helped our business because it slowed up everybody and let us catch up a little bit. I don't, I don't wish Corona on nobody, but yeah. Meaning there are just kind of more people looking for cannabis or that other businesses, you know, that might've kind of elbowed you out of the way you actually had a chance to grow. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. And other businesses, they grew, but they didn't like, they didn't run away with it. They mm-hmm. didn't run away with it. Right. And I, it gave me a little time to figure out the business um, to where I feel very comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how has kind of Make Green Go and, and LaWanda helped along that process as well? So as far as with Make Green Go, um, LaWanda and her staff have been great. Um, I they used to have uh, mixers and I used to try to come to the mixers, as many mixers as I could. That's where I connected. That's where I found out about the incubator program. That's where I found out about a lot of things. I met a lot of people in the industry. They looked over my uh, my paperwork as far as for the license. Um, Zachary did, and LaWanda was always helpful, and she put me in place and basically even got me to this point where I'm talking to you. So LaWanda is still over here working, helping out Conscious Minds, and we really appreciate that. Sounds like the, the theme of this conversation, again, is just network. That, yeah. you, know, you were able to tap in not just to the make and go, but that kind of larger entrepreneurial community Absolutely. as well. And find- Absolutely. And I can't wait for this to open up a little bit so we can start uh, mixing and shaking hands with everybody who's in the uh, cannabis space. I'm also curious, yeah, you talked about, obviously, these, um, you know, not difficulty necessarily, but some of the bottleneck you've had around scaling of you thought about or pursued um, fundraising and like partnering with a larger company or do you use your kind of vision to keep it, you know, sounds like obviously you, someone who likes a lot of control, especially their own business. So is your, is your plan to kind of keep it all with you or have you looked at, um, you know, either a merger acquisition or fundraising? Um, if, if the right price comes up, I'll consider it. That's what I'm looking into. How do we get into another state? How do we get conscious minds into another state? At that point, then we can talk about the mergers and, you know, the buyouts and acquisitions. That's when we can talk about those type of things. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I hear people say, hey, you know, I got a couple of dollars. I got a couple of dollars, too. So I don't need, you know, not like that. But, hey, we need to be talking about something bigger than, hey, let me get on. Right. Because I brought this to a lot of people. And if they say, let me get on when I brought it to them, for somebody to say, hey, let me get on now a little later, unless it's making sense, I'm not really into it. Yeah, and what you, you mentioned kind of multi-state, so what is your kind of big vision for 
conscious minds and beyond. Obviously, you have these licenses, so you can expand there vertically as well. But in let's say in five years, if you're successful, everything kind of goes as you envisioned. Um, where are you? Where is the company? What does it look like? Uh, at that point, Conscious Minds will be in Florida, New York, Las Vegas, Chicago, and sprinkle within the other states. So that'll be on a small scale. Um, the distro, we will have positioned and put product in over 200 stores. We will have over seven to eight um, brands in which we carry for distro. And we will have a team of up to five to six individuals working in conscious minds. I don't really want it to be too big. I'm seeing that we're able to handle a lot just with two people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I kind of love that not only do you have this big vision, but you've got a very specific big vision. Like, you know, big vision, you know, the cities, you know, the amount of kind of dispensaries you're in that, you know, that lets me know that you, you really have thought through this, right? Uh, you have like a specific plan. We have been able to beat or meet and beat every goal for our first year. So, um, yeah. So for the second year, it's a little more work I need to do for the second half of the year. Yeah. Only, uh, only one year in, it's, uh, it's really impressive what you've managed to do so far. So, Kind of starting to, to close up, what words of advice or wisdom would you have for maybe someone who's where you are in, I don't know, whatever the case is, 2017 or so, someone who's just starting to get in the equity program, hasn't launched their, their business yet? Where where would you point them? What, uh, what advice would you give them? I would tell them to link up with a – link up with May Green Go, link up with a good CPA. Um Depends on what you're doing. If it's delivery, get your presence out there. Um, keep your writing good. If it's distribution, get you a good distributor. Tap in with Conscious Minds, whoever else. Um, why the why the CPA? Is that something that you learned is really valuable? Uh, yeah, that's something I learned. That's something that I should have been on my very first when I first got on. Um, because now I'm cleaning up in my first year in. I'm cleaning it up right now. And I should have had it clean from the beginning. So that was one of my mistakes. Um, so I just tell people to learn from now and keep everything. So that way your chart of accounts and everything is good. So you know where to put everything. So that way you make it easy on yourself. You can kind of look through your business and know where your money's going. And also consider your federal taxes, not just state and city. Also consider there are federal taxes. So it's something that not a lot of people talk about. Mm-hmm. Federal taxes. Yeah. That's yeah, that's great specific advice. Don't don't wait for the CPA, even if it feels like, oh, I don't need it. No, like get it as get someone good as soon as possible and, and plan ahead for uh, federal taxes. Yeah, that's those are great little nuggets. Um, yeah, it's been a, a great conversation from my end. I really appreciate your time, Marshawn. OK, it's all good. We appreciate you. Uh, my very first podcast. So I will get better. <laughs> uh, you, you, have, you nailed it you're a, you already established you're a quick learner you nailed it the first time just like your uh, delivery business so I'll grab you. thank you it was great thank you thank all you right. you're we welcome it. it's all good conscious minds you can tap in with conscious minds um, the telephone number is 510-502-0533 or you can catch us online at conscious minds c-o-n-s-c-i-o-u-s 
M-I-N-D-Z at yahoo.com or uh, consciousminds.com or uh, you can catch us on Weed Maps. You can catch us on GitNug or you could just catch us at the lake sometimes in the streets. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Equity For Real, bringing you the realest stories by the realest people. Hopefully, you've walked away with a bit of encouragement to take the next step in your cannabis venture. This is LaWanda Knox signing off. See you next time. Peace.